What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not? With him also freely give us all things. How many things? All. That actually, in the Greek word, that means all. All things. <laughs> Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. You can't have a better attorney than Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who accuses you. This is all very important because we're going to talk about this this morning. We're going to talk about the accusations and where the accusations come from. There's one who's accusing both day and night before the throne. And guess who our lawyer is? The best you can get, the advocate Jesus Christ. Man, I I love that. I watched my son uh, at work as an attorney. And I must say, he does really, really good. He's not just a attorney. He is a really good attorney. And uh, it was, it's a joy to watch. I, I sure wouldn't want to be on the other side of him in a courtroom. But Jesus Christ, he intercedes for us. He, he steps between us and the accuser and says, knock it off. You can't accuse this one. It belongs to me. That's fantastic. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulations? Anybody have tribulations in their life? If you haven't had tribulation in your life, you're dead. (laughs) Have the person next to you pinch you because if you haven't gone through some tribulations in your lifetime, I'm just telling you, you can't be alive. And does that separate us from the love of Christ? Does a broken heart and the tribulations that are involved in those circumstances, does that separate us from the love of God? No, that actually draws us nearer to the love of God. Tribulation is not going to do it. Or distress. Or even persecution. Or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. As is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Is that for me? Oh. (laughs) Told me walking in with a drink, I figured, you know. (laughs) Poor David. He's probably going, why did I let him preach? (laughs) I knew better. I'm the B team. Since I'm the B team, I can do that. 
if God's love is never separated from us, then we're surrounded with the love of God. Not only are we surrounded with the love of God, but he puts his love in us by giving us his Holy Spirit. In the beginning, it is God who created the heavens and the earth. And when it came to the creation of mankind, he took from the dust of the earth and he breathed in the breath of life. He breathed in the breath of life and man became a living being, a living soul. The breath of life. There's a famous hymn called Breathe on Me, Breath of God. Now, I've modernized the words because it has these thousands and those athletes about this. <laughs> one, uh, one of the people in the church, they, the father, the grandfather, you know, he, he came from studying King James English. So when he prayed, they prayed in King James English. You know, like God didn't know modern English, I don't know, but... But he, he'd pray in the King James. He said, oh, thou God, we comest before thee. And uh, after he got done with the prayer, his granddaughter, young granddaughter says, Grandpa, I didn't know you spoke in tongues. <laughs> but here, breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. So in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night and he says, what must I do to be saved? And he says, you must be born again. Born again. How can I enter my mother's womb and be born a second time? Nicodemus replies. Now what I'm talking about. That was the flesh is flesh, but that was the spirit is spirit. I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. How was Mankind created in the first place by the breath, spirit, pneuma of God. What does it mean to be born anew? What does it mean to be born again? What's it again to have filled with the spirit, the breath of God in you? The breath of God, the spirit of God. Breathe in you, breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I may love what you do love and do what you do. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I'm all totally yours. Until this earthly part of me glows with your fire divine. A fire that comes from the Spirit, not a self-motivated fire. You can get all jazzed up over all kinds of stuff. I, have you ever been to a Blazer game? Not recently. I mean, when they were winning, you know. <laughs> I took David to a Blazer game for the playoffs. Paid for a good seat, never got to sit in it. Because they stand the whole time. I mean, they stand up the whole time. You can't see it. Got to stand up and watch. And the volume in that place is unbelievable. They're enthusiastic. 
Yeah, you can get enthusiastic, but the fire that comes from the Spirit of God is a fire that burns like no other. When the Spirit of God fills you with His breath and His fire, you've got power like you cannot believe. After this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall receive dunamis power, miraculous power. The power that comes from above. The God-breathed power of God. Another word for that is God-breathed is inspiration. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God or the God-breathed power that comes from God. What's the difference between us and the Rotary Club? Probably people don't even know what the Rotary Club is. <laughs> a service club. What's the difference between us and a service club? They do good things. We can do good things. But you know what? They don't compare to the works of God. There's the works of mankind and there's the works of God. The works of God are far, far greater than the works of mankind. Yes, we can feed people, and there's lots of institutions that do that, lots of charities that feed people. But you know how Jesus fed them? Two loaves and five loaves and two fishes. Let's get this right, David. How long have you been studying the Bible? <laughs> two fish. He had two fish and sandwiches. How many did he feed? 5,000 men. And there's always more women and children than there is men, especially in church. He didn't just feed 5,000. He probably fed 15,000 with five loaves and two fish. And there were 12 baskets left over, one for each of the disciples. There were 12 disciples, that's how you know that. That's how God feeds. God does what no one else can do. And here's the thing. Jesus says, greater things will you do than what I've done. How's that going to happen? Because the power of God is going to come upon you. You're going to be filled with his spirit, and you're going to be able to do things that you couldn't do on your own. God breathed inspired. Have you ever, you've ever seen people say, but that guy was really inspired. Yes, when you get, when God inspires, watch out. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, in the English Standard Version, it says, all these gifts, he lists out all the gifts in the first part of that chapter. It says, all these gifts these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he will. The gifts of God are empowered. Yes. Now, some translations say distributed. It doesn't have the same implication that you want to have. Empowered. Because you can't do the gifts of the Spirit without the Spirit. And with the Spirit comes miraculous power. So if you're moving in the Spirit, 
Miracles are going to happen. Miracles are going to happen. It's just a natural response of what God wants to do. You see, God wants to display His power, not your power, not your talent, not your abilities. He doesn't need any song and dance person. He wants people to go, wow, that's unbelievable. Who would have thought that that person would have done what they did? One of my favorite examples of that is a man in the Bible called Gideon. Some of you remember Gideon? He was in the wine press, down hiding from the enemy, and he's, so there's no wind, and he's, he's taking the, the wheat, throwing it up, and the chaff blows away with the wind. Well, there's no wind. Here's, here's Gideon. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Oh, man of valor. And I, and I always picture Don Knotts. <laughs> I don't see any man of valor. Mighty man of valor. I want you to lead the army. He says, Maybe you don't understand, but my tribe is the least of all the tribes when it comes to armying. He didn't really say it that way, but. And I'm the least in my tribe. Why would you pick me? That makes no sense whatsoever. You want to pick somebody like Schwarzenegger. I'll be back. All the muscles bulging. That's the guy who's going to lead the army. No, no, you got Don Knotts leading the army. And why is that? Because God wanted to make sure everybody knew it was him. It was him who did it. So he narrows the army down from 30,000 to 300. Whoops. Why? Because God's in control. You don't you don't rely on your own strength. You don't rely on your own understanding. You don't rely on anything about you. If God asks you to do something, he wants to do something. I'm going to say that again. When God asks you to do something, he wants to do something. So get out of his way. A lot of times people don't even know that God's using them. Don't even know. That's good. Because the glory doesn't go to you. The glory goes to God. And he does fantastic things. But you need to be inspired. And you aren't inspired when you're down in the dumps. When you're playing, oh dear, oh me, oh my. My life is terrible. That person took my parking spot. My life is just a mess. Too many bills to pay. My cat doesn't even like me. And while we're feeling sorry for ourselves, telling God all the circumstances in our life and why we're unhappy, why we're not fulfilled, 
why we're, not, why we're not filled with joy, while we're telling him all that, he's patiently waiting. You know? You need inspired. You need to say, inspire me, God. Fill me with your spirit. Refresh me. Old word, revive me. Revive. Because that's how things happen when God is empowering, when God is doing things. I, a lot of times in my life, God did things without me understanding a thing about it. In fact, my doctrine at the time was exactly the opposite. (laughs) I think God gets a real kick out of that. So you think that's the way it is? Uh, Watch this. When you lean on your own understanding, well, I studied the Word of God, I know it back and forward, I'm telling you this is what's going on. Well, I'm glad you studied the Word of God, but without the Spirit of God revealing the truth of it, without Him giving you revelation, revealing the truth, all you've got is words on a page. There's an old, old-time movie person. His name was W.C. Fields. Some of you may have heard of him, uh, if you're 85 or older. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I meant 65. But anyway, W.C. Fields was this guy. He was just a, a wretch of a man, actually. And uh, he's sitting on his front porch, and he's reading the Bible, and his grandson comes out and says, no, says his uh, nephew comes out and says, Uncle, I didn't know you were a religious man. He said... Religious? Oh, no. Just looking for loopholes. (laughs) Just looking for loopholes. And that's what people sometimes do. The Word of God is quick and powerful. But you know what it says? It's God-inspired. There's only one way to understand God-inspired words, and that's to have the one who inspired it teach you. That's what Jesus said. I mean, John, uh, in 1 John, he tells us about it. He says, you don't have need that any person teach you because the one, the anointing which is in you, will teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you the comforter. He will teach you. He will remind you all things that I taught you. He will give you the interpretation of the word of God. The word of God isn't for any private interpretation. Prophecy is not for any private interpretation. But as the spirit of God reveals, it's all hooked on to the spirit of God. That's what we call a spiritual life as opposed to a secular life. The spirit of God is the key to everything. It's the key to joy, peace. It's the key to victory. We become more than conquerors. How? By Jesus Christ, I can do That word all, by the way, in the Greek means all. I don't know if I taught that to you yet. You know, I'm getting old. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the empowerment who gives me the strength, who provides everything that I need. Don't have to rely on your own strength. 
He will fill you, inspire you, and you'll be able to stand up with boldness. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, Jesus basically says, you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. And and listen to what it says. But the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Spirit of your father will speak in you. Don't have to worry about what am I going to say? 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 No, why? Because the empowerment, the inspiration of God will come upon you and you'll boldly speak the truth in love. By the way, there's people who speak truth without love. You know, you're going to hell unless you repent right now. That's all true, but that's not really said in love. That's said in condemning. How about God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. What's the first part of that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. (laughs) We're supposed to be teaching the love of God. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Not God wants you to burn. Step out of line. (laughs) We're not supposed to be living in condemnation. We've been set free from condemnation. The only one who condemns us is Satan and ourselves. And by the way, there's a lot of self-condemnation that goes on. A lot. I'm not worthy. I know I'm not worthy. I'm a worm. I'm a worm. There's humble. And then there's stupidity. God formed you in your mother's womb. God gave his only begotten son that you might have life with him. He paid a horrendous price for you. You are more than worthy because what God did for you. And God wants you to stand up, stand firm, Don't be knocked back by the fiery arrows of the evil one. Stand up against those false accusations that come from either you or others. You're a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I'm a child of the King. I walk with his blessing. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. When I learn to rely on him and not rely on me. When I begin to rely on him and not circumstances. When I begin to rely on Jesus and not try to plan for God because God already planned for me. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for the good works that he's already prepared in advance for us to do. He is the potter, we are the clay. He molds us to present us. He empowers us that we won't be just who we are, but we become 
a child of the king. And filled with the light that he gives us. Therefore be a light unto the world. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Not in your own power, not by your own gumption, not by your own forcing it to happen, but because you can't keep quiet. Because the inspiration of God is in you. And all of a sudden you talk. I was, <laughs> I was in the... Uh, uh, I know this is going to sound bad for a second. In the gym. I got Mr. Muscles over here. You were in the gym? What part were you working on? I was in the jacuzzi. And there's a guy there and he said, man, what's the deal with this Putin guy? What's going on with him? No, no, no. And it was F and this and F and that. And I said, uh, I said, John, I said, I'm going to tell you something that most people don't know. Certainly you don't. And that is, it's all written in the Bible. This thing with Putin's all written in the Bible. He goes, well, I, I believe in the Bible and I believe in God. And he, and he does, probably does. Couldn't tell by his language, but <laughs> he probably does. And I says, you go and read Ezekiel 38 and 39. And it's all listed out for you, specifically. Prince from the north and the countries that are going to join him. Where his final battle is going to be. The whole thing's written right there in Ezekiel 38 and 39. You know, I've seen that guy around a lot. But God inspired me. I don't care if he's, what he's saying or anything else. He's a pretty strong guy, opinion-wise and otherwise. But God just inspired me to, to and you know what? He ate it up like crazy. So I'm going to go home and read it. You know what? That's God. You see, God knew what was going to happen there. God knew the circumstances. I didn't have to prepare it now. John, here's what's going to happen. God's going to work in your heart right now, and you're going to be prepared for me to tell you this story, and then you're going to respond to this story. No, 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 no. Inspired by God. Boldness to speak what God wants us to He knew what he needs to hear. It's just that simple. Didn't have a plan. Didn't wake up and say, I'm going to go to the gym today. And when John gets there, because most time he's not there, when John gets there, I'm going to have this all ready to go. God has a plan for you. You just ask God to inspire you, ask him to fill you, ask him to infuse you, ask him to give you empowerment, ask him to work in you, ask him, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm your servant. I'm ready. Mold me, melt me, use me. By the inspiration that you give, that I'll have boldness in that day to speak. Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest, but there are very few laborers out there. Would you 
be willing to let God, let me just ask you this question. If you knew you couldn't fail, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you be willing to do that God asks you? I would say, whatever you got in mind, Lord. Whatever you got in mind. <laughs> if you're giving me a guarantee, I'll take it. So it's about being ready. <laughs> it's about preparing your heart. It's about calling on the Lord God. Call on him. Call on him. Ask him to empower you. Ask him to strengthen you. And when the lies come, when the accusations come, when they say, you fail at so many stinking things. How many times have you done this now? Did you treat your wife well today? I, there was a pastor when I was a young pastor. He'd ask me every time we get together, he says, how are you treating your honey? I said, well, I have it with graham crackers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He said, how are you treating your wife? How are you treating your wife? I didn't like that. I didn't like him asking that. He had a reason why, and that was because God was saying to him, ask him how he's doing with his wife. You know, that's where rubber meets the road. It's, it's not what you see on Sunday morning. Hiya, hiya, hiya. It's what are you at home? Who is the real? How do you treat your own family? That's a question. But if you let yourself be condemned by your failures, then you're going to live in failures. But the Bible says we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We can overcome anything by the power of God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I just can't, I just can't do it. He is such a jerk. Can't do it. She drives me nuts. I can't do it. I mean, I try, but I can't. I just can't, I can't, just can't do it. Amen. You can't, but I know one who can. I know one who can overcome that. But I don't like that person. I don't want to be around them. I avoid them. I only go home because I have to. You know what? Those are all true things. Those, actually, those things actually happen. They actually do. But we're living in the circumstances and not living by the inspiration of God. We're not full of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Those first three things, love, joy, and peace. Is the home filled with love, joy, and peace? That's the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. That's the one I kind of blotted out in my... <laughs> I was looking at the time. 
takes a little longer for me to compute nowadays. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? What steps can you take to move you from the habits you've already created into godly habits? What dis- they used to call these things disciplines. Hence the word disciple. What disciplines can you put in your life? What things can you do in your life? And we've heard them before, but they kind of roll off us like a water off a duck's back. How do you draw close to the Lord? You know, there is no particular way that works for everybody. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. Some say, well, listen to music. I don't like music. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. I don't, I don't, that doesn't work for me. Okay, read the word. Well, I'm not a very good reader. Okay, listen to it on tape. Well, I don't have any tapes. Whatever it is, they've got an answer for. Whatever you find that draws you to the Lord, whatever it is, start doing that more often. Sometimes if it's just in frustration, you say to God, help me. And that draws you close to the Lord, then start yelling, help me. No, no crime in that at all. Whatever brings you closer to the Lord, Whatever helps you to focus in on him, keeping our eyes on the author and the finish of our faith, keeping our focus on Jesus, it keeps our focus off the other things. I love that hymn. You know, I'm I'm an old person. We had lots of hymns when I was growing up. Unfortunately, I'm starting to forget what they are because we haven't done them in such a long time, but... There's one that says, <laughs> I will never forget. <laughs> I know the phrase I want to use, I just try to think of the phrase before it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look into his wonderful face, and the things of this earth or this world will grow strangely dim in what? In the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the world circumstances start dimming and the light of God starts beaming and the light casts out the darkness. (laughs) When you're going into that dark space, you need the light. You need him. You need to turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's what you need to do. See, I got it. It just takes a while. You know, you've got to go through the file cabinet. I got so many file cabinets in there, it takes forever to get back there. Just you wait and see. You'll find out if Lord tarries. Help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. That's what we need, isn't it? Don't we need the Lord to help us? Don't we need his inspiration? 
Don't we need to be filled by his power? Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't it just in the warmth of God's love that the fire of the Holy Spirit begins to grow and grow and grow and grow? You don't want to witness out of a form of some kind of order. You want to witness because you can't hold it in. You, you're so thankful to God and you're so th- believing in what he's doing, you want everybody to understand that. You can't keep it in. The greatest evangelists in my experience have been new believers because they're so full of enthusiasm with God. When you ever get into a group, we had in the early in, earlier in my ministry here, we had a, a group of college kids that came in. And I want to tell you something. The fervency of worship was absolutely amazing. You look over there and they are just into the Lord. Kind of like what we just had this morning when everybody was singing out to God. Whether you could sing or not sing, you were, you were making a joyful noise unto the Lord. That fervency, there's something about that. It's God-inspired. It's powerful. It's what God does in us. And we can't keep it in. We can't keep it in. Praise God, we can't keep it in. That's what I'm praying for you. John 20, 22, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus said, and... And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Breathe on me, breath of God. (laughs) Fill me with life anew. Renew again to me the joy of my salvation. Let me remember what it was like to have... My burden's lifted to sense your love for me. Renew again. Breathe on me, breath of God. Breathe on me, breathe on me, breathe on me. Let me have that powerment that you bring. If I breathe on it, you're going to ask for me to wear, use a breath mint. <laughs> but when God, <laughs> why do you say things like that? Oh, David. But when God breathes on you, he gives you power, strength, encouragement, inspiration. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Empty myself of everything else. Let me get rid of the trials. Let me get rid of the circumstances, the things that are weighing me down. Let me get rid of those. Let me think about whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things of good report. If there's anything praiseworthy, let me think on those things. Lift me out of the miry clay. Set me upon the rock. Strengthen. Strengthen me. Because we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ.
That's the Word of God. It's active, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll go in and it'll accomplish what God said it to accomplish. His Spirit makes this powerful in your lives so that you become the living Word of God, so you become a reflection of Him. You become an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You become light in the darkness. You become a Christ-like person. Loving, caring, not from your love, but from His love. Not from your power, but from His power. Not from your plans, but from His plans. You get the idea it's all about Him, not about you. He only gives you the privilege to participate, and what a privilege it is. When you see what God does, it's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I was preaching a sermon one Sunday. This is about maybe 30 years ago. I'll see if I can remember it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was pre- I was preaching on a Sunday morning, and I was preaching on stewardship. Part of that is tithing, you know. Whenever you say tithe, people grab their wallet. I was preaching on tithing and, you know, first fruits. First fruits, not last fruits, not what, if you have money left over, I'll give it to God. It's not, that's not what it is, but it's first fruits, giving it to God. And I thought I did just an absolutely fabulous job because I'm egotistical. And I got all done, I was out in the four years, my as that was the way I did things, and bursting through the doors comes a young gal, maybe 20, 21, and she comes, Pastor, Pastor. And you know, <clears throat> typically when I did a sermon on tithing, people didn't come out smiling and run to me and say, Pastor, Pastor. Most of them are going, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. <laughs> And she says, I just want to tell you, this morning I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And I, and I, I, I really didn't know what to say. I was, didn't you get the sermon? It was on tithing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what's going through my human mind. I did such a great job on tithing, you didn't get any of it. You know what? There was an appointment that day for one to come to Jesus Christ. And I don't know what was said during the sermon. I always try to include the gospel of Jesus, come to Jesus, get to know him. But God was working on her. And there's a new name written down in glory. And the angels throw a party. That morning there was a giant party going on in heaven because this one came to Jesus. On what? On a sermon on tithing. (laughs) You don't think God can do something great? in spite of you? I know he can. I know he can. Why don't you join in? Why don't you give yourself a chance to let God, let go, let go of your reserve and all your 
poor me stuff. And just say, hear my, hear my Lord, warts and all. You know of every flaw in my life, but use me. Use me.